Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Tate. You can find me over at X at Derek Tate NFL. That is the one and only Kyle Sappy. You can find him over at X at Kyle Sappy PFN. Today, Sappy, we're talking about our 10 most shocking values of early, and may I stress the word early 2024 yeah. ADP. But look, we had Valentine's Day little time to breathe after the Super Bowl. What have you been doing with all this extra time on your hands, Happy? Well, yeah, well, we've been writing dynasty profiles and getting college basketball stuff together. Like, we're just on the – there's never a day off. We're in the sports content business. We're working – yeah, we're working on gambling stuff. We got it all going here. You know, Valentine's Day, you, you pay – homage to those that are special to you and then you get back to the grind that's the way this is we're bringing a podcast here looking ahead we tell people not to draft in early to mid-august so people drafting right now might have you know a little bit of leeway here a little bit of concerns for what you're doing with your life if you're drafting redraft teams in february but we're here these are early thoughts these are what the industry is telling us these players are worth it so it's interesting i'm not using Aaron Rodgers ADP right now is something that's going to be indicative of where he stands in August, but it's a good, it's a good way to take a temperature of the room right now. So speaking of taking the temperature of the room, my two little Valentines, they're ages three and one, and they are the <laughs> apple of my eye. Sure. But now it's time for, for me to move on from Valentine's Day and talk about early average draft position in the month of February <laughs> before we've started the 2024 NFL offseason. And certainly we're going to be using football guys ADP uh, currently right now to kind of help gauge where thoughts are on certain players you know as we enter the 2024 nfl offseason there's a lot to play out there's free agency there's the nfl combine there's the nfl draft all kinds of things that are going to change but it's meant to kind of give us a snapshot of where we are right now so as you mentioned before you know we are dropping a lot of dynasty profiles right now oh, we're yeah. taking a deep Deep dive look at some of our players uh, from a dynasty long-term perspective. Check those out over at pfnfantasy.com. Also, if you've not come across the YouTube channel, this is your first time finding us and you're looking at ADP data in February, then congratulations, you are a fantasy football enthusiast just like us. Make sure you subscribe. Click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. And of course, go ahead and make sure if you're listening via podcast, subscribe, rate, review, a five-star review really helps us out. A couple recent podcasts that we've done that you may want to check out mm -hmm. are Coaching Changes one. Sapi and I broke down all of the head coaching changes and some of the offensive coordinator changes across the National Football League that could impact fantasy players heading into the 2024 NFL season. And, of course, we have a couple mock drafts that we've also done. We did one with uh, Mason Dodd, a fantasy flock, uh, a super, dra or super draft format in a dynasty rookies-only draft. Check it out over on our PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. But let's go ahead and dive into this, Soppy. ADP here in the month of February. And I'm, my, my number one ADP surprise is Jared Goff right now. Okay. Listed as the 113 overall currently which is the QB 17 off the board. Sapi, where did where did Jared Goff finish as far as the quarterback ranks at the end of the 2023 NFL season? Oh, off the top of my head, I must he had to be close to top 10, no? He had to be in that range. QB 7. Okay, yeah. QB 7. Then last season, where did do you have an idea of where he finished in 2022? I would say probably the same ballpark range ever since Amon Ross St. Brown's kind of come onto the scene here. 
QB10. So in consecutive years, two top 10 finishes, including a season where he got better uh, from 2022 to 2023. Sapi, I think it's very, very, very important that Ben Johnson is staying with the Detroit Lions. So you're going to have the same play callers, same consistency with that offense. Not to mention some of the young pieces, Sapi. I think that these guys can continue to get better. Amon Ross St. Brown has gotten better each and every season of his NFL career. Yeah, I mean, he's a bona fide stud. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top five wide receiver in PPR formats off the board for the 2024 season. Then you add Jameer Gibbs. We're going to see him probably see his role expand. Sam Laporta already looks like a surefire stud at the tight end position, and he's going to be back and could be even better. And speaking of maybe being even better in an expanded role, Jamison Williams, uh, you know, certainly a very talented, explosive option that can complement St. Brown and, and Laporta, and that only probably helps boost Jared Goff's numbers. And we know how effective he's been when at Ford Field. He's still going to be playing at Ford Field in 2024. So a lot of things lining up very well for Jared Goff to return on, you know, probably another top 10 season at the quarterback position. And he's going QB 17 off the board right now, almost like in the 10th round. To me, that that seems a little bit criminal based off of how consistent he's been since over the last two seasons as a member of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and you mentioned the indoor games. They've got Houston on the road. They've got Indy on the road. So some of those road games are even indoors, which are essentially Ford Field as it is. One of my sleepers here, or a sleeper according to ADP, is Jamison Williams. I'm going to tell you here and go with the Detroit Lions. He's going just outside the top 100 overall, which may not seem like a bargain given you know, kind of what he has or hasn't done up to this point. That's wide receiver 47 off the board. So he's not being drafted as anything remotely close to a starter here. He ran a route on over 75% of their postseason snaps. That's huge. That's all we're asking for is opportunity for a guy with this kind of skill set, the speed, the big play ability. Like you said, Jared Goff, you could argue is a top five quarterback when playing at home. Not a threat to really soak up production with his legs. We saw Jamison Williams getting handed the rock. If they're looking for ways to get him the ball in space, that's something I'm looking for. Almost 16 yards per catch for his career. And I really don't buy the wide receiver two situation in Detroit right now. You mentioned Gibbs. He's great. You mentioned Laporta. He's great. Sun Sun God, St. Brown is also wonderful, but there is no wide receiver two. I'm not buying Josh Reynolds. I'm not buying whatever they have behind Jamison Williams right now. So he walks into a role where there's, at this point, proven young options aside him, but nobody really soaking up major targets outside of those two big names in the passing game and Gibbs. So sign me up for Jameson Williams at this point. I, to me, he's he fits the same pathway that we were kind of trying to tell ourselves with Gabe Davis, which yeah, I get that that didn't turn out great, but I stand by the process that you're on the field in an offense we trust, moving the ball down the field. More often than not, I think Jameson Williams is going to return starting value in 2024, and he's not being drafted that way. So I hear your argument for Jamison Williams, right? Uh, certainly the explosive playmaking ability is there. We saw the role expand a little bit. I mean, even if you're looking towards the end of the regular season, seven targets against Denver, you know, six against Minnesota. So those looks and snaps, those things started to get see an uptick towards the end of the season. And you remember his rookie year was pretty much a wash because he was coming off of a the torn ACL. <laughs> Yeah, with one catch for 41 yards and a touchdown, I, I get it. But, it, it, you know, it's kind of a watch because we didn't really expect anything him for him coming off of 
uh, a major knee injury in his rookie year. Of course, the suspension to start this year. There, there's a lot of context that can be added to why Jamison Williams hasn't really truly broken out through his first two years i do think he set up quite well the only thing i'm concerned about soppy i think i'm gonna like him more in like best ball type of leagues yeah, than i'm going to like yeah, yeah th- i i do think that there's going to be some volatility when you are working behind um i do think he's probably going to see fewer targets this year than definitely saint brown and laporta oh, yeah. maybe if his role really does expand, maybe somewhere in the same range as, as Jameer Gibbs, but there's going to be that that volatility with Jamison Williams. Sure. But certainly, you know, we saw the San Francisco 49ers, an explosive offense, be able to support, you know, four gifted playmakers. And we're looking at this Detroit Lions offense as one that we have high expectations for. I, like I don't see why a fourth cog in the offense can't emerge. And I, I, my money would be on Jamison Williams. Yeah, especially if the defense is going to keep giving up points. Like the 49ers did that with a stout defense. You give up 30 points a day, that only opens up more opportunities for the four weapons. So I know you mentioned, so we, we'll go ahead and, and, and bump, change the show doc here a little bit. I'll jump back onto my uh, 80, 80p surprise number two. And as currently constructed, now there's a whole offseason to play out, but as of right now, Joe Mixon is still under contract for the Cincinnati Bengals heading into the 2024 NFL season. Soppy, Joe Mixon in PPR formats has registered three consecutive top 10 fantasy finishes. Right now, he is going at 80 overall, according to Football Guys ADP. I, again, I'm not a math major, but that is definitely past, the, the, what is that, like the seventh round we're looking at? You know, on teams, yeah. <laughs> around that range. And I understand maybe Mixon's efficiency, you know, as a pure runner has never been something that wows you. He's always kind of hovered around, you know, four yards per carry. But we expect this Cincinnati Bengals offense to be better. Like with Joe Burrow under center, assuming he's healthy, assuming Jamar Chase is healthy, we'll have to see what happens with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. But we expect this offense to continue to produce. And if Joe Mixon is going to be the leading ball carrier, last year he saw 257 carries and 52 receptions. I know we saw a little bit more of Chase Brown over the last six games of the 2023 season, but I still think that Joe Mixon, if they don't decide to part ways with him and him become like a cap casualty, I'm still ecstatic to get Joe Mixon as my running back too. And if he's going 80 overall, goodness me, I'm going to have a lot of shares of Joe Mixon in 2024. Yeah. I think you can almost rinse repeat our conversations from last July and August about Joe Mixon. It's not exciting. Like he's not ripping off big plays, highlight plays on sports center. You don't see any of that, but it's just every single season. He gets it done with double digit touchdowns last season. He stayed healthy. He played every game. That was the first time since 2019 that he did that. Chase Brown, I understand the excitement that there's some potential there, but he averaged 4.1 yards per carry. Let's not make it sound like he was Devon Achan here, averaging eight yards a clip and just forcing his way into the lineup. He looks good. Maybe there's more of a committee. Maybe we're not seeing 250 touches. We're looking at more like 2, 225, but that's still plenty to get it done. And I want to bet on the Bengals. They're one of like five teams that I want to bet on in a significant way to rebound. The Colts are on that list for me too, with Anthony Richardson coming back. So I'm with you here. I like Joe Mixon. I like him every year. That's At this point, I'm going to be a year late instead of a year early getting off the Joe Mixon wagon. Speaking of getting off the wagon, 
There is another quarterback that I saw on the show, Doc, that maybe folks have decided to go ahead and jump off the wagon permanently. But the ADP on this player is kind of interesting. Who's your number one ADP surprise of, I guess, the month of February heading into the 2024 season? Yeah, I mean, you went with an NFC North quarterback. I'm going to go with a former NFC North quarterback. That's my guy, Aaron Rodgers. He's going right now outside the 100... Outside the top 125 overall players, quarterback 21. So basically, that tells me he's undrafted. You can put him at 21. You can put him at 31. You can put him at 19. It doesn't matter. You're not drafting that many quarterbacks in a league like this. So undrafted. That that doesn't make sense to me. We I'm not going to say he's going to come out here and throw for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and all that good stuff and win his fifth MVP award. I'm not trying to sell you on that. I'm trying to sell you on the upside of things like that potentially happening. He's got Garrett Wilson. Bonafide star receiver. He's got Brees Hall. Bonafide star running back. It, why can't he do what Brock Purdy did this year? He doesn't have the weapons quite like that. He doesn't have George Kittle. He doesn't have Debo Samuel or Brennan. He doesn't have two receivers of that ilk. But why can't he be a pocket passer that thrives on efficiency, that gets a ball in the hands of his playmakers? To me, Aaron Rodgers fits the mold of exactly the type of quarterback I want if I'm waiting on addressing the position and drafting too late. If you're waiting on the position, you can go Deshaun Watson. You can go Kirk Cousins. You can be Jaden Daniels. I know we're early in the process here, but that's a skill set I want to invest in. So if you're getting two out of those four, those three with Aaron Rodgers late in your draft, I think you can piece together enough upside to win your league at the position by focusing on the flex players early in the draft. We had this conversation, uh, things we learned. Uh, on a recent podcast again go ahead subscribe like click the bell and go ahead and check out that episode where we kind of talked about some of the things that we learned during the 2023 fantasy football season and, and one of my takeaways was pocket passers yeah and pocket passers returned a ton of value this year you know yeah they don't have that sky high upside of guys like you mentioned like anthony richardson or Jaden daniels justin fields etc cetera, etc cetera. but aaron Rodgers. You know, assuming that I actually think it's a good thing that he didn't come back and try to play this year. I think that that, you know, the risk of re-injury in particular with them being out of the playoff picture was a risk that made absolutely no sense. But he's going to have Garrett Wilson. The Jets do own the 10th overall pick, which this is a receiver draft that Mm -hmm. has some very interesting names at the top. Now, again, you can say that the Jets have other needs other than wide receiver, but Who's to say that this team doesn't make some sort of move to add a veteran wideout to go alongside Garrett Wilson? And we already saw what Brees Hall can do in a terrible offense, much less you get some competent quarterback play. Dare I say, you know, top 10 fringish quarterback play if Rodgers has got one of those seasons left. More scoring opportunities, you know, and a dynamic running back in the backfield. Uh, I think a a future star as a wide receiver one in Garrett Wilson. Yeah. He's certainly on my late quarterback radar um, if I don't try to invest heavy in the position within the first 10 rounds. Yeah, there's just no risk associated with that. I don't mind taking a flyer. It's 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 a matter of how you want to construct your roster. Obviously, if you take a quarterback early, you're not going this route. But yeah, no, I like, I like the potential. But there's a handful, maybe half a dozen or more guys like that down the board waiting on the position, still very viable. So... Speaking of waiting on the position, there are a ton of wide receivers that I really yeah. like and can make a case for, case against. I mean, once you really get through the, you know, the top, I'd say even 10 to 15 guys, 
that tier goes from like 15 to like 35 at times for me. It's, it's wild. But one guy that I, I feel like belongs in the conversation for a top 15 fantasy wideout heading into 2024 that I constantly find f- way farther down the board, it's Amari Cooper. Right now, he's sitting at the end of the fourth round, early fifth at 48 overall, according to Football Guys ADP. And while I understand... It's been a disappointing start, to say the very least, through the first 12 games of Deshaun Watson in a Browns uniform. But what we did see in 2023 is when Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson were on the field together, they certainly established a pretty nice rapport in chemistry. Mm-hmm. We really didn't see David Njoku's emergence until past the first month of the season. And we saw these big splash games from Amari Cooper Earlier in the year when it was mostly Deshaun Watson under center, it was really those peaks and valleys. And a lot of those valleys really existed when you started seeing like Dorian Thompson, Robinson, and P.J. Walker under center. Uh, certainly Cooper had a, one of his, probably the best game of his career with Joe Flacco under so. center uh, when he went for like 11 receptions, 265, and two scores against the Texans in, in week 16. But the, the point of the matter is, is that Amari Cooper – kind of falls into that old, boring, wide receiver, veteran guy that is not a sexy pick, but it's effective. And I still think he's going to be the alpha target earner. Sure, Najoku emerging, very nice. But with Watson under center, I feel as if he has his go-to guy in Amari Cooper. And Cooper, when he was on the field with Watson in 2023, kind of showed us a glimpse of what the type of production that we can expect from him. Uh, He's only going to be 30 years old. I understand that that feels ancient in fantasy football, but I still think he's going to have a very productive year. I think he's kind of flying under the radar, similar to that of like Mike Evans, who is a productive veteran receiver, but is just not super sexy to, to select on draft day. I think Cooper's going to have himself a really nice 2024. Yeah, similar to Mike Evans coming into last year, and you would argue that he's got a better quarterback situation than what we perceived Evans to have coming into last year with uh, Baker Mayfield under center there. You mentioned the unsexy kind of boring pick. He's the Joe Mixon of receivers. Like I don't have any hesitation in saying that, that you can get stable value on a consistent basis in the middle rounds here. I don't have a problem with this call at all. I understand the ADP because there are a bunch of moving pieces here. You've got Watson coming back injury. You got Chubb coming back off injury. You've got the potential development of more on the perimeter there. You've got Najoku stepping into a bigger role. So I understand some skepticism, but yeah, at this ADP, I'm willing to jump on Cooper as well. So who's another ADP surprise? Like you're looking at the current football guys ADP list. Is there any like big name player that really jumps out at you? Maybe a post hype type of season uh, for your number three selection? Yeah, you mentioned things you learned in the podcast we did about that for 2023. I learned that I'm even more stubborn of a human being than I realized. Like I, it is a personality flaw I have. Just ask my wife. She will let you know and not hesitate in doing so but I went down with the Tony Pollard ship last season and I might be gearing up to do it again for a second straight season he's going 79th overall I was pushing this guy and Yates joined me so don't let the Kyles get away from you here both of us were on him as a potential first round pick last season and that blew up in our face I I will apologize until the cows come home I was dead wrong on that he's going as running back 23 right now heading into next season that's a fringe running back too of flex play if you're in a 10 team league that is That is kind of crazy for me. If he, I mean, you're talking about a Cowboys team that still led the league in red zone drives. He had those chances. He just failed to 
to capitalize. 31% under expectation from inside the 15-yard line. That is a bonkers number for a talent that we think is above average. Forget average. Like, I'm using baseline here. We think he's going to be better than that because 2022, you know what? That season still happened. I understand that we're now a bust season removed from it, but that still happened. He averaged 1.3 yards per carry before contact, 3.7 after. You want to know the list of guys over the past decade that have done that? It's Derrick Henry, it's Nick Chubb, it's Jonathan Taylor, and it's my guy, Tony Pollard. So I'm getting back on the wagon. I'm not drafting him in the first round. I'm not sinking my team that way. But right now, in the seventh or eighth round, you're crazy not to at least consider him as a running back two for your fantasy lineup in 2024. Right. So if if you could guarantee me that he's going to be back with the Dallas Cowboys right, yeah. and be the leading running back, then yeah, then of course that ADP doesn't make sense. It was a weird efficiency year for a player that felt yeah. hyper efficient in 2022. <laughs> the exact opposite could be said. I think he finished second in the league with red zone carries. If I'm not mistaken behind only Christian McCaffrey yeah. and you see the, the touchdown production was vastly different. Just six touchdowns last season with North of what? 300. I think he had 307 total touches from scrimmage. It just, didn't come together so for bad. whatever reason. There was a couple times where he stopped on the one yard line and you just shake your head because you're looking at this offense that's producing a lot of scoring opportunities. Yeah. Pollard's getting touches in the red area. And he's just not finding Pater. I just, I, I wonder, I wonder if the Dallas Cowboys are going to try to go in a different direction at the running back position. We will have to wait and see, but certainly if, if he is the leading back for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, for 2024, then his ADP is criminally low Agreed. and it will definitely pop up. Speaking of criminally low, Sapi, mm. I get We were just talking about a veteran receiver and I said how I think 30 years old at times can feel like an ancient relic in the world of fantasy football. Go ahead and add three more years <laughs> to it. And we're talking about the guy in Carolina, Adam Thielen. And I get it. Boring. Yawn. Somebody selects Adam Thielen, you have no emotional reaction because you're just, yeah, okay. That that's fine. Have him. <laughs> like you're not you're not bummed because it doesn't really represent like a, a home run of a pick, but where folks got Adam Thielen last year was, you know, what? Like you said, sometimes probably undrafted, but probably eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth round, you know, last round, late flyer pick. Finishes the wide receiver 17 in PPR format, Sapi. 127 targets, 103 receptions, just north of 1,000 yards because it's not like he's popping big plays because he just doesn't have the wheels anymore. But, you know, are, are you going to make a case that it's like Jonathan Mingo is going to be take the leading role from him? Mingo saw 80-plus targets and really didn't do, do a whole lot with him. Um, I know that there's a lot of change right now there in Carolina, but assuming Adam Thielen is still going to be on this roster and, and the Carolina Panthers are devoid of a first-round pick and have a lot of other roster needs, I do agree that they're going to add some pieces at wide receiver. But if he's still going to be the most reliable veteran presence on this entire you know roster, then I have to think Adam Thielen's ADP of 155 overall. It's like almost a, a rinse and repeat of last year that no one's really buying Adam Thielen being fantasy relevant, but the data that we got from last year on this same exact team would suggest otherwise. So again, it, 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 I'm, I learned my lesson last year. 
even if I don't, you know, end up using Adam Thielen every single week and he, you know, is going to have uh, some struggles and a bad offense, he's still going to be a, a usable piece at some point in the season in PPR formats. Yeah, I mean, he's the definition of depth for me. He's not a guy you're starting on any kind of consistent basis here. And most of that production that you mentioned from last year came within like a month. He got real hot for a little bit to start the season and then tailed off. But you would think, you would think that Bryce Young's got some pedigree here, that that's going to lead to some growth. And, you know, growth isn't linear, right? We don't see everybody excel the way some of these guys do out of the gate. So if Bryce Young trying to, you know, move into this, into a role of a legitimate NFL quarterback. If we think that that's in his in his bag here, I don't mind that being a cheap way to invest. Like you said, you're not starting Thielen on any sort of consistent basis, and you're not being asked to at this ADP, so I don't mind him as depth. I would just build your roster kind of accordingly. If you take some chances early, you take some of these upside guys early that come with risk-reward, then a guy like Thielen makes a lot of sense on your bench. If you're counting on Amari Cooper, where it's rock-stable production, Thielen's never going to usurp Cooper in your lineup. So a guy like that, Maybe not, but if you're going upside early and often, I mean, he's going outside the top 50 at the position. The position is just so deep that a guy like this gets pushed down. I don't mind adding him for depth one bit. So you said growth development isn't linear. I, I love that saying because I think it applies to the number four surprise player ADP wise on your list because this player's development kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, but certainly has caught my eye heading into 2024. Yeah, I don't know how it couldn't. Trey McBride at the tight end position in Arizona these days, he might be their number one option. And that's kind of the stance I'm taking here. It's a pedigree player at a position that's hard to fill. This position is getting better. I mean, Sam Laporta, you mentioned him earlier, Trey McBride. We've got some young talent. While the old guard is still there, Hawkinson's hurt. I get that. But Travis Kelsey still proved he's got some juice. Mark Andrews back and at least healthy. So the tight end position is getting a little deeper here. I just I don't have a problem with Trey McBride going 50th overall right now, which is where he's going. That's, you know, late fourth, early fifth round. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is almost two full rounds after Sam Laporta. I get that Laporta's great. I'm not knocking that one iota. But Laporta's got a lot of target competition there. In Detroit, we mentioned it earlier with Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, yada, yada, yada. Trey McBride doesn't have to worry about that, and he's got a quarterback that's just as proficient as anybody. Kyler Murray, I get that he's not the passer that most people would want, but he's still a productive quarterback. This Arizona offense, they're going to be behind. They're going to be trailing. Trey McBride just makes plays, soaks up targets. To me, that's a great pick at 50th overall, and that's a far superior pick than trying to go 22 picks earlier and grab Sab Laporta as a first tight end off the board. One thing that's going to be worth monitoring because Trey McBride's finished to the season when, when Zach oh Ertz went to so IR in like week six, I mean, his, he, he assumed he was already had like a, a split role with Zach Ertz, but basically once Ertz went to IR, they just handed the keys to the position to this yeah. kid and he ran with it and made the most of the opportunity look great. And, and even when Kyler Murray returned under center as the starting quarterback in week 10, many, including myself felt like Hollywood Brown was going to see a nice little bump in fantasy value. It wasn't him that got the bump. It was Trey McBride and all McBride, McBride became all McBride. And the reason being is this kid is a gifted pass catcher. Like he's just, he has a great knack for being able to sit down in zones and, and, and make himself available. catches the ball away from his frame, you know, gives you a little bit of something else after the catch kid can play. And yeah. right now, you know, you're looking at like Michael Wilson, 
you know, we're like, but yeah, Greg Dorch, like as your as your target competition, they do own the number four overall pick in the NFL draft. Which, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there and quarterbacks go one, two, three to start this draft, then I, I can imagine that Arizona would be very enticed to potentially take him. Sure. So that's worth monitoring. But even if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there, I, I still see a role for how this kid played and how he basically had instant chemistry with, with Kyler Murray. And I, and I agree with you. I don't think that Kyler Murray is a terribly limited passer in the National Football League. Sure, he has certain tendencies, but still a productive passer through the air. And I could see him and Trey McBride having a lot of success. Uh, very interested to see where they go with that number four overall pick, though. So we're talking about a, you know, the Arizona Cardinals and maybe their lack of pass catching options. Let's go to the New England Patriots. Who I don't think <laughs> the Patriots are in a position to pass at the quarterback position at the number three overall pick in this draft, even though Marvin Harrison Jr. is fantastic and so is Malik Neighbors. I see them going quarterback, which means, you know, they're either going to, again, swing and miss in free agency by bringing in guys a la like Juju Smith-Schuster or Kendrick Bourne. And no disrespect to those players, they're, they're professionals, but... I don't know if I see a an alpha target earner right now that's not named Demario Douglas. I thought that we saw enough pop, will you, um, pun intended, sure. from Pop Douglas in his rookie season that I believe he is going to have a pretty safe role in this passing game. And, you know, you can argue how valuable that is, whether it's, you know, Drake May or Jaden Daniels, a rookie throwing him the football for the majority of the, of the season. But he was able to like carve out a reliable PPR floor with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi under center in the hot mess. That was the passing offense of the Patriots in 2023. So in PPR formats, maybe this is more of an Adam Thielen type pick where you're mm -hmm. talking about a PPR floor rather than super high ceiling, of course, but whoever's under center there for the new England Patriots, I have a hard time imagining unless they go receiver at three overall or they make some sort of huge splash in free agency that pop douglas is not going to have a, a path to 100 plus targets in 2024 yeah yeah no i don't mind that he's going in the same range as Thielen here and that makes a lot of sense to me because that's how i view him he's younger Thielen. he's got that ppr floor that i think you're looking for you can only put so many of these guys on your roster i don't mind having a guy like douglas <laughs> but i'm not loading up a roster that has Thielen, that has douglas that has those boring guys if you're gonna do that you hedge your bet you put a mingo on there you put a gabe davis you put somebody like that to kind of offset that in the case that you're facing the top team in your league and you need some upside that's fine but if you're playing the basement dweller and you just want a floor i want my eight targets to get me 60 yards and five catches. A guy like DeMario Douglas, I think could do that. I'm with you in buying the skill set. The upside is obviously going to lack because I don't think this offense gets better in any kind of hurry. But as far as the depth ad, I don't mind Douglas at all. 161 overall is where Douglas is going right yeah. now. So even after Adam Thielen. So just again, maybe I, I, I liked what I saw from this kid. He is just in a New England Patriots offense that I do not have very high expectations for. And I think that there's a lot of folks that are probably with me on that bandwagon. Soppy, final ADP surprise of the month of February. Who do you got? 
Yeah, just kind of in a general macro basis here. I think the running back position is, I don't want to say being underdrafted because we know that counting on running backs early is dangerous to say the least, but they're being pushed down a lot. I can get Travis Etienne with the 30th pick right now, and that's only the ninth overall running back. Like I Positionally, I don't disagree with where he's being ranked. It's the overall rank that irks me a little bit. 30th is a little too low. I'm drafting him in the second round, if not the early half of the second round. He doesn't have any competition around him right now, and he's... You might have heard I'm kind of in on the Jaguars. Again, burned once, you know, burned me twice here. Whatever the saying is, I'm willing to go back to that. Trevor Lawrence healthy. I think this offense does excel. And again, like was my case with Tony Pollard, this is a developmental thing. You can't take away what he's already done. In two seasons, Travis Etienne, in one of them, 5.1 yards per carry. In the other, 3.4 catches per game. You put those two things together, you know what that is? That's San Francisco 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying he has that kind of level, but the fact that those skills are within his bag, within his profile, that to me is far more exciting than most third-round picks heading into 2024. So... You said that you, you don't disagree with the positional ranking. He finished as the running back three last year, yeah. in PPR formats. Like, are we too low on Travis Etienne? Like, wait, I mean, I know you're suggesting we're way too low because he's at 30th overall. And I, I feel like you can get a player like Etienne in the third round. That That is bonkers to me because I, I have him as a solid second round pick. Um, but, you know, are there – this offense disappointed like as a whole, right? Collectively, we, we had, you had sky high expectations. I certainly thought, yeah. you know, Lawrence was going to have a, a bit of a breakout year myself and, and that didn't come to fruition last year. But, you know, it's hard to really look at ETN and, and say, whoa, he didn't have a great year. Like, yeah, his yards per carry dropped from, you know, over five yards per carry in 2022 to 3.78. But, you know, we also saw the volume jump by an extra 37 carries. Um the involvement in the passing game is there. Like, there's not. He's kind of a five-tool running back. There's not much that he can. There's not much that he can't do. So, you know, I do. You really feel like that you would take eight running backs in front of ETN based off of what we saw from him last year, and maybe the the step forward that you're maybe forecasting or hoping for <laughs> for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2024. Personally, I wouldn't, but my bigger concern was 30th overall compared to 9th. If I'm picking right. one of the two things they have a problem with, I'm going to focus on the overall as opposed to positional. I've got him flirting with top five at the position. I really do think he could be there with a Devin, Devon Achan or somebody along those lines that might not get the volume that he's going to get. Brees Hall, I have ranked right next to ETN. Like, Do I think Brees Hall is a slightly better player? I do. Do I think his offense puts him in as advantageous a spot? as the Jags do for ETN. I, I don't. The versatility is there. Like you said, he checks just about every box. If there's going to be a running back that excels and has a magical season, a la Saquon Barkley's rookie season, or something along those lines where it's like, oh my God, this guy's 225 carries. This guy's 100 targets. Like If there's somebody that could do that that's not going in the first handful of picks, it's ETN, and you can get him I'll take. I'll happily sign up for him as my second player on every team. I'll open with a star receiver at the beginning of round one, grab ETN at the end of round two, and be thrilled with how my roster is looking. The debate is going to rage on for the next five, six months as we head into the 2024 NFL season. So if this is your first time coming across our YouTube channel and you enjoyed this bit of content, go ahead, subscribe, 
hit the like button. Also click the bell so you get notified every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. Also, again, we're dropping all kinds of content this offseason, whether it be dynasty profiles, rookie mock drafts, uh, over at pfnfantasy.com, you can check out my work, Safi's work, and the rest of the PFN Fantasy team. We're going to be pumping out all kinds of content heading into the 2024 NFL season. Again, if you're listening via podcast, subscribe, rate, review, five-star review. We really appreciate all the love and support. For Kyle Sapi, I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, everybody, later, says the tape.